We're over in the Gospels here today. Luke chapter 12. Last week we were looking at the yard of receiving. And boy, this morning didn't you have an opportunity to do that. And we're in the presence of God. We can receive. Just as that presence is there. Word of God says in the New Testament, sometimes He showed up to do certain things. Then those people who would receive those things received what He wanted to do. Keep yourself in a place to receive. As we were looking at the art of receiving last week, we saw that I cannot be faithful with what I have not received. I have to receive the things from God first in order to be faithful. Those things that God has given to me, those things He's entrusted to me to, to use and to, to work with while I'm down here. Those gifts that God has put in the body of Christ, in the church, I need to receive from them. My brothers and sisters in the Lord, I need to receive from them. We looked at some some keys to, re- to what a receiving person would be. That first off, a receiving person is accepting of the gift or ministry. If you're going to receive someone's Someone in the body of Christ, if you're going to receive a gift that God has put in the body of Christ, you're going to be accepting of their gift in ministry. You're going to be seeing them as good and beneficial. You're going to be supporting them by providing what they need for what they do and rejoicing for them by speaking words of edification about them and to them. Those are just some things we looked at last week on the art of receiving. But here we're going to look at Luke chapter 12. I notice this is a story we haven't covered all that often. So it would be good to go back and cover it, but we're going to look at this in the eyes of, of faithfulness. And if you're up on Facebook today, we gave you this question. How ready are we supposed to be for the Lord's return? Because that's what he's talking about. But how ready is it? What really tells me that I'm ready? Just because I'm looking for it? Just because I expect it? Is that enough to be ready? See, in this parable, Jesus gave, that uh, he gave concerning his master's return. He spoke about being ready in the second and the third watch. So does that mean you cannot sleep waiting for the master's return? You know, the first watch is when most people are working. But he said the second and the third. We're talking night shift here. But he said, blessed are those servants whose, whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Now notice, he could have picked anything he wanted to say. He didn't say working. He said watching. Why does he say watching? Not working. So we're going to take a look at this. Let's talk. Go over here, Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Now that may be not quite as clear to you as it should be, so I pulled it out of the New Century Version and it reads this way. Be dressed, ready for service, and have your lamp shining. Be dressed, ready for service, and have your lamps shining. In other words... Have the stuff that you need when you're out there working. When you're out there doing things for, for God. He wants you to be dressed and He wants you to be be with your lamp shining. 
Now, I don't know if this is the literal thing or not, but if you ever notice me outside of Sunday morning and Wednesday night, these are the only two times that this will not be true. Any other time during the week this is true, you will notice that on my belt are a couple of things. One is a lamp. Now, I don't do this for some spiritual reason because I'm, I'm so spiritual I understand things in the Word of God. And I just carry around a lamp. <laughs> I carry around a flashlight with me all the time. I have one by the bed at nighttime. And I have one on my belt constantly. It is around me so much that my granddaughter will instantly say whenever she needs a light, Pop up, can I use your flashlight? She doesn't ask, do you have a flashlight? She says, can I use it? My flashlight is always charged. I don't wait for it to run down until I charge it. I charge it all the time. I keep it charged. It's ready to go. I keep another tool in my belt and it's a knife with a whole bunch of other stuff on it. And they also know that any given situation outside of Sunday morning and Wednesday night, you can say, can I use your knife? And I will go right into it and flip it out, pull it out. I have pliers. I have scissors. I have all this kind of thing. My uh, uh, Nikolai, my son-in-law, he came up to me the other day. He he said, uh, somebody asked for a, a, a lens wipe. I said, yeah, I got that. Pulled right out, pulled out a lens wipe. He says, do you just carry that with you all the time? I said, yes, I do. There's a couple of things I carry. It's in my pocket all the time. If you if you see, I have my, my other pants, not these ones. I have lots of pockets because I need to be prepared for a lot of things. There's always a pen in that pocket. I can always write something down. You see, I'm ready. Every time I go, I'm ready. If I change the pair of pants that I'm wearing, I got to change all those things. All those things have to move over. Because I'm dressed and ready. I don't know what's going to come up. I just know if something comes up, I'm going to be ready for it. So when he says, I want you, look at it again, be dressed, ready for service, and have your lamps shining. You should have stuff with you all the time that you're ready for the service of God. Now, flashlights and knives won't necessarily help you in the service of God. But what word do you know that you carry with you all the time that you can pull out and you can help people when they need it? He says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will be Return from the wedding, and when he comes and knocks, that he may open to him immediately. Now, this parable in its fullness is unique to Luke's gospel. You'll see a lot of things taught in other places. This is one of the earliest times that this is taught in Jesus' ministry, and this is the most complete of this particular parable they have. We see little glimpses of other parts of it, but this is where he, he went over most of it. And it was earlier in his ministry than some of the other places that you'll see. You know, the ten virgins and some other things of that nature. But Luke wrote this down for us so we would have it. So you can't really go anyplace else in the Gospels and see this exact thing written. But this is a parable, which means Jesus made it up. He made up a story to talk about what he wanted to talk about. But notice what he said. Where does the man come from? He comes from a wedding. Now, of all the things that Jesus could pick, why does he pick a wedding? 
of all the things he could pick for the master to come back from, why a wedding? Now, he doesn't do anything by accident. It's on purpose that he picked a wedding. Because everything that he puts in his parables are there for a reason. See, the wedding helps us to, to understand more about this. When is the master coming from a wedding? Well, there's a marriage feast of the Lamb, isn't there? And that would seem to be what's indicating. Now, a lot of people look at this and they say that we should be ready. How many have ever read this and said, well, I should be ready? Except Jesus is not talking to you at all. He's not talking to you at all. There's some things we can learn from it. But He's not talking to you. Because you see, we're going to be at the wedding. When He comes back from the wedding, we're coming with Him. Because <laughs> we're the church. <laughs> we're going up into heaven at the rapture. Jesus does not teach about the rapture. He teaches about the second advent. Paul introduced the church and also introduced the teaching of the rapture of the church. How can Jesus teach about the rapture of a church that he hasn't taught about yet? He's used the phrase, he's introduced some concepts, but the idea of the church has not been brought in yet. That is Paul's ministry to do. And he does a wonderful job of it and also brings in the rapture. When Jesus teaches about the end times, he's talking about the second advent, which comes after the rapture. How long after the rapture? There's a, there's a period of time in between. Seven years. Seven years. There we go. Seven years in between. And we finish off the Jewish clock. And then Jesus comes back as a second advent. After the wedding feast. Now when they had a wedding feast down in the, the, the Jewish folks, when they had a, a wedding feast, it wasn't like ours. How many of you know, if you go to the wedding at noon, and then the reception starts at two, that the reception should be done somewhere around... Five, six o'clock, right? You know, three, four hours. And that may be too long for some of you. Some of you may duck out at two. But, you know, there's other things they have going on there. But usually that's about the max of it. And then we, we move on and we go someplace else. That's not how they did it. You all know this by now. That went on for days. I don't know how I would respond to an invitation for a party, for a wedding that would last for days. Think of the people that you have gone to weddings with. How would you like to hang out with them for days? Days. I mean, you eventually run out of things to talk about, right? I, I don't know how they did it. So when it says they don't know when he's coming back, they don't know when he's coming back. He's going to the wedding feast. Is he going to come back after two days? Three days? Four days? Seven days? We know how long the wedding feast is supposed to last. Maybe the wedding feast is supposed to last a week. Maybe he comes back early. But he says, And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Now, whenever I read this, I think of dogs. I do not think of cats. I think the opposite of cats. Because you all know that when you leave the house, how many have cats? A couple of you admit it, okay. <laughs> 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 
When you leave the house and the cat is there, how many of you all sense that there's a little bit of relief from the part of the cat that you were gone? <laughs> Finally, they have left. When you return home, what is the cat's response? Oh, it's just you. Do you have my food yet? Right? I mean, isn't that the kind of response that you get for that? Now, if you come home and there's a dog at home, what is the response that the dog has? Oh, the dog is happy. The dog hears the sounds of the car coming up the driveway. The dog knows before you ever get there that you are coming to the door. You hear the dog on the inside. He is excited that you are home finally. And I always love the one comedian was talking about it. They said, you know, if you leave the dog for five minutes and come back to the door, the dog is just as excited as if you came back five hours later. And the dog, if you're, if you're ever at home and the dog's master is out and you watch that dog, you'll see that dog all of a sudden perk up his ears. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> you will never see that response from a cat. But you will from a dog. They cannot wait until you come home. They watch and they wait. They're attentive. You may be asleep, but they'll be up in a moment. He says, You yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, and when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. So this one has the master coming from a wedding feast because... Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen when I come back from the wedding feast. But since we're going to already be at the wedding feast, he's not talking about the rapture. But there's still some things we can learn from this. In verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have him sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Now, just in case you don't quite get that, I'm going to read the nurse century version again. They will be blessed when their master comes home because he sees that they are watching for him. I tell you the truth, the master will dress himself to serve and tell the servants to sit at the table and he will serve them. So here's the picture. The master comes home, he finds the servants, they're waiting for him. And instead of the servants ministering to him, he says, I am so appreciative you guys have been waiting here for me. Sit down. I'm going to go put on servants clothes and I am going to serve you. That's an appreciative master. That's what he says we're going to do. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. In other words, not just during the time of day when servants normally work. We're talking about pulling the evening shift, the night shift, the overnight time, wee hours of the morning. Now look what he says in this. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he, when he comes, will find watching. Surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so. Blessed are those servants. Now 
Now go back to verse 36 for just a moment. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks, who opens? They may open to him immediately. Now notice immediately. In other words, he didn't have to stand there knocking. Now I don't know why the master has to knock on his own door. But for some reason the master is knocking on his own door and he needs the servants to open. For whatever the reason, that's what's going on. And so he's out there and he knocks. He doesn't have to wait long. They're, they're there right away. Have you ever gone up to somebody's house and you knocked on the door? And you waited? You waited? Maybe the, maybe I need to ring the doorbell. Hit the doorbell. And you're waiting? Where are they? There's, uh, I said I would be here at this time. Where are they? They're not there. Doesn't that kind of get you like, wait a minute. We set it up for me to be here at one o'clock. Where is everybody? Nobody's here. They weren't waiting for you. They weren't excited. But how many of you have people in your life that if you tell them, come on over, or I'm coming on over, and I'll be there at one o'clock, they are anxiously waiting for your arrival. Oh, they can't wait for you to get there. Are they here yet? Are they here yet? Let's go on and see what else he has to say about this. But I know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. You do not expect. Hmm. Sounds like he's he's sitting there waiting. When are they not expecting me? I'm coming then. I don't think they're expecting me right now, so I'm coming then. He says, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now, we read this. How many have ever read this? He comes at an hour you don't expect. I don't know when Jesus Christ is coming back. I don't know when he's coming. And we've built whole doctrines off of that. No man can know when he's coming. But see, that goes goes directly against some of the things that are said in the Word of God about the end times. He says, I come at an hour that you don't expect. When, this is a simple question, you can all probably answer it, when do the disciples Expect the master to come and set up his kingdom. They've all said it. All his disciples have said it. They expect Jesus to come now and set up his kingdom. They don't know about him dying and being resurrected and taken up to heaven. Jesus tried to teach them about that. How receptive were they to that teaching? <laughs> kind of shut that down, didn't they? Why? Because they expect it now. 
So you see, when Jesus is saying, you don't know what hour, it's coming an hour you don't expect. They're expecting now. He's basically saying, I'm not coming now. It's in an hour you don't expect. He doesn't mean it's not in an hour that everyone doesn't expect. He means it's at an hour that they don't expect because they expect it now. We're now 2,000 years later. That's a few hours from them. It's a different time. But you see, if you go into the book of Revelation, we're talking second advent here. You look at the book of Revelation, we know that from the time the tribulation starts, how many years? Seven years. Three and a half years and three and a half years. We also know some of the things that will happen at the very end of the tribulation. We happen to know that the two witnesses will die right towards the end of the tribulation, will be laid in the streets for days, and then will be risen up. How long is it from the time that they are risen up and ascend into heaven that Jesus Christ comes? Days. Very shortly. So if you know all that, how could you not know figuratively the hour? You know what? Jesus, it's, it's now. It's, it's now. It's either today or tomorrow, but it's now. <laughs> they got it narrowed down. But we don't have all that for the rapture. But he's not talking about the rapture. You see, the hour they expect is now. And Jesus is saying, I'm coming at a time you don't expect. It's not going to be now. It's going to be later. Doesn't that seem a little bit more simple than a lot of the things we have come out with that? Let's go on here. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all the people? Because <laughs> they're used to, you know, sometimes we just get the inside track and sometimes we're teaching everybody. So are you teaching this to everybody or just us? And the Lord said, who then is this faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their porti- uh, portion of the food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all he has. So he's answering the question. Did you all get the answer? doesn't come quite... It'd be nice if he just came out and said, Oh, I'm teaching you guys. I'm teaching all the people. He doesn't say that. Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? In other words, I'm talking to the people that I've entrusted things to that are supposed to go out to the to the uh, household and give them the food that they need. What people would they be? They would be the ministers that he's calling along. And they need to be faithful in what they're doing to take care of them. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. So when he comes back with the next kingdom, he's going to take those ones that were faithful and make them ruler over much. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking forward, not looking for him and an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. That doesn't sound very pleasant. See, the result of faithfulness, folks, is more authority. But look at what he says here. You may not... I'm going to summarize what he's telling about the uh, unfaithful servant. I'm going to say it to you this way. But what if the servant says, my master is delaying so I can do 
what I want. He then lists actions of abuse to those that he's supposed to care for. Instead of feeding them, he's abusing them. Actions of selfishness, using the master's goods to satisfy his own needs. He went out and got drunk. He ate and he drank. So, look at it this way. He's speaking to people that have been given responsibilities in the household who are supposed to be faithful. But he said, if those people that are supposed to be faithful, if those people say he's delaying and coming, I'll do what I want. Have you ever known people in ministry to say, I'll do what I want? Or act in such a way as I'll do what I want. I know the Word of God says this, but I'm going to do what I want. Have you ever known people in ministry that have actions of abuse to those that they're supposed to be taken care of? Have you ever seen actions of people in ministry who are selfish and use the master's good to satisfy their own needs? And yet people will stand back there and say, how can there be a God in heaven if this is allowed to go on? Folks, he gave you a parable about it and said it's going to happen. And he also says this. Know this, when the master returns, I'm taking care of those boys or women. <laughs> Men or women in, in service. I'm taking care of them guys. And he told you what he's going to do. So that tells you his opinion of the thing. Let's keep him going on. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. That servant, in other words, that person in ministry who knew what the father's will was and did something contrary to it, he will be beaten with many stripes. That doesn't sound good. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with you. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Now, how many have ever hidden behind this thing? Well, I don't know all that I should about the Bible, so I'm sure I won't be held accountable. You are wrong. But he says this, if you should have known, but you didn't, we'll just forget about it. Is that what he said? He didn't say that, did he? He said, you're deserving of a whole lot of stripes. I'm just going to give you a few. How many of y'all know a few? It's better than not, better than a lot. But whatever he means, by the stripes, it's better that we're not there. So, how can we avoid being in a place of being an unfaithful minister, unfaithful person in the family of God, who are supposed to be doing certain things, but we're not? How can we avoid that? How can we get a, into a place where we're doing what the master expected? Remember, the whole thing here was about watching. It was about watching. If I am watching... For the master to come. Does that not also mean that I have what the master needs? Why in the world am I watching for the master if I don't have what the master wants? 
I got to make sure that I have what the master wants on hand. Because if the master comes and he said, can I have? Oh, I didn't get that. But that's my favorite. I, I know. Uh, I was, he's unprepared. Is he watching? No. I may be looking for his coming, but I am not prepared. I'm not ready for this. If I'm looking for the master. If I am looking for the master, this is what we're looking to do. Now, I've given you enough clues over the years that if I was to say, we'll just pretend that I was in a master type position. <laughs> I'm not. I just pretend that I was. And I was coming to your house and you were watching for me. I said, I'm going to be there at one o'clock. And you were watching for me. And when I got there, and you thought I might be thirsty, what would you offer me to drink? You wouldn't offer me water? What would you, what would you offer me? Diet Coke? Yeah, that's right. You get me a Diet Coke. Which would mean, if you knew I was coming, and you all have done this, if I've shown up at your houses, some of you who don't drink Diet Coke have put it in stock in your house. So when I got there, I had some. <laughs> Why? Because you're watching. Now, if you're going to sit me down to a meal, we know there's got to be some meat in there. But if you're going to look for our nationality of food, what is the one nationality I told you that I will take any day of the week? Italian or... Only two I've ever mentioned. Mexican. Either one of those. You sit me down with Italian food, I'm happy. You sit me down with Mexican food, I'm happy. If you sat me down with... You can just be replaced tonight. Cooked cabbage. Vegetable lo mein. Now you all know this would not quite work. But you see, if you were watching for my return, my coming into your house, you would automatically get some things ready, wouldn't you? Just because you knew me, you knew some of the things I've said, and you would want to, you'd want to get ready for that. So, if the servants are watching for the master, are they not doing the same thing? They're going to be prepared for the master coming. They're going to be ready for him coming through the door. They're going to be looking out for these things. We've got to make sure that I have preparations made. That when he comes to the door, we're ready to open it. We're ready for his arrival. We have things ready. I don't know when he's coming, but we're ready to go. Now, it always talks about them being involved in this thing. And I'm sure some of them got to sleep. But what would happen was we don't know when he's coming. So there's multiple people here. So some of the people can go and sleep, whereas one person is standing watch. And waiting for the master to come in. As soon as they see the signs that the master is coming, we go and we get everybody else up. Hey, the master's here. And what did all the rest of them do? They went to bed ready. They went to bed ready to get up in an instant and be, be out there. So by the time the master comes to the door, we are all up and we are prepared. You see, that's watching. That's ready. How do we get to that place in our life? We're going to go to another parable, one of my favorite parables. And if I say that, you probably know right which one it is. Matthew chapter 13. Many places you can go for this, but we're going to go over to here. We're actually picking up in the middle of this just for time's sake. 
Uh, we're not going to give the giving in the parable or some of the questions the disciples asked in between. We're going to go right to verse 18. This is uh, Jesus interpreting the parable of the sower. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. We are looking at this in the aspect of faithfulness and the part of watching. So we've taught on this just extensively and going over a lot. We're just looking at it from that standpoint right now. So I'm going to give you three things that the enemy tries to do to you to get you to not be faithful and not be in a position of a watcher. You ready for that? Here's the first one. Doesn't understand or you don't understand. That's the first thing. You see, the, here's the first type of soil. When he hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was in his heart. What happens to the seed? Goes away. Does he become fruitful? No. If you are faithful, you will be fruitful. Remember the first parable we looked at? The one who was given five was fruitful and got five more. The one who was given two was fruitful and got two more. They are both fruitful even though one produced what we would call less fruit. The one who was given one buried it. Was he fruitful? No. Fruitfulness and faithfulness will go hand in hand. I put this in your outline for you. Without feeding on the meat of the word of God, my faithfulness will be limited. One of the first things that the enemy wants to try and do to get you to not be faithful and therefore not get a reward, one of the first things he wants to do is to get you out from hearing the meat of God's word and meditating on it to get understanding. Because if he can keep you in a place of not understanding the word, not hearing the word, and not understanding the word, he will ultimately keep you from being rewarded. He will keep you from being fruitful. You cannot grow in faithfulness as a believer and being one who is watchful. You cannot do it on milk alone. And look at Paul's writing about what happens to people who stayed on milk. He said, in fact, one, uh, he even wrote to him and he said, you should be handling meat but instead, I have to give you milk. You see, they should have been in a different spot. There's a lot of Christians can't handle meat. They can't chew it up. They just want those soft little vegetables. Milk. Because I, I don't have to chew it so long. Have you ever had the Word of God teach you some things? And I've been doing that for a while. I, I'm not sure. But that, hmm... And I'm going over it, and I'm going over it, I'm going over it, I'm going over it, I'm going over it. So I'm chewing it. That's meat. You need that in your life. You've got to hear the meat of the Word of God. And then you've got to get understanding on it. And you've got to put it to work. Because if the enemy can stop you at that level, he will stop you from being faithful. He will keep you from being rewarded. And you will be unfruitful in your life as a Christian. You will become as one of those who doesn't know what he should do and received what? A few stripes. I'd rather receive reward. 
All right, let's go on. Uh, I put that in your outline. I think I put the whole thing in your outline. I am never challenged by the word I hear. Only listen to topics I like or views I agree with. Then if I get to heaven, my reward will be limited or possibly nothing at all. Just because you don't agree with something that somebody's teaching doesn't mean that it's not right. I got to listen to my spirit. I've told you some of my stories of, of listening to ministers and they were aggravating me. <laughs> but I, I just knew I had to stay with it. I had to stay with it. There's something. I think there's something here. I stayed with it and stayed with it and stayed with it. And then got it. Ah, now I got it. Oh, I'm so glad I stayed with that. Oh, I would have missed this. Oh, my understanding of this was not where it needed to be. This brought it to that level, much much higher level. Oh, I'm so glad I stayed with that. You got to do that. Just because you choked on a piece of meat doesn't mean you throw meat out. You go out there and you get some more. All right, that's the first one. Let's get to the second one. But he who received the seed on stony places is, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself and endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So here's this other one. One of the other ways that the enemy tries to pull us down, we don't endure. I don't endure. I don't understand. And I don't endure. Now, this is not talking about a difficult life. I'm sure many of us can get up and talk about how difficult our life was. This is not talking about a difficult life. Oh, well, I was out over here and then this thing broke and this thing came down on me and I fell. And We're not talking about difficulties in life. He talked about two particular things that came upon you for one reason. I've heard people talk about a lot of times. Oh, I got this sickness. The devil is just persecuting me. He does not persecute you with sickness. I can't get into all that. But look at this. It's not a difficult life. This will come. Some of us will have difficult lives. But they're included in the first group. Because you see, a difficult life stops some people from hearing the word. Oh, life is so hard, I can't get out to church. Oh, life is so hard. And we just have reasons. They got knocked out in the first group. If you made it here to the second group, folks, you were a different caliber of person. You heard. You understood. Not putting anybody down who's had a difficult life and made it through. Glory to God that you made it through. But that's not what he's talking about here. Look at what he said. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Glad. Oh, this is good. Oh, I'm so glad I heard the word. Oh, I'm so glad I found about Jesus. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises. Two things. Tribulation or persecution. When they arise. Why do they arise? Because you're stupid. Because you're unpleasant. Because you're nasty with your coworkers. No, the reason it arises is because of the word. The tribulation, the persecution arises because of the word of God that is in you because you got past the first soil. I became one of those who heard and understood. I heard and I understood. So the word began to to grow in me 
but it's not taking root. He knew when to, he needs you to have it take root. The enemy knows this. If that takes root, we couldn't stop it from growing. We couldn't just snatch it out because they didn't understand it. It started to grow. So we got to stop it from getting some roots down there. Just like here we had the spring coming on. How many knows what happens? Many things happen to spring. One thing I'm looking at in particular, how many like those little whirly birds? The seeds that come from the maple trees. And you got little whirly birds and they come falling down all over. You know, they fall over everything. And uh, we had, we used to have like four trees that had these. We've systematically begun taking out one, but we took out one huge one and my neighbor came over and praised us. Thank you so much. Oh, that was dropping so many of those whirly things down on us. And you got to sweep them up and, but you know, they, they take root or they, they try and take root. Well, if you get one of those and the, the seed starts to grow, when that, when that seed is little, how easy is that to pull out? Oh, it's a piece of cake. Just pull it out. But when you have those little whirly things floating around in your house, there's the first group that you will take out, those ones that you sweep up that are out by the concrete. You sweep them up, right? That's the first group. The second group is those that found soil and began to spring up, but you spotted it. I do not want that here. And so you went over and you persecuted that poor little tree. You did. You persecuted that poor little tree. You went over there and you grabbed that tree and you yanked it out because you knew where it was growing. And this isn't going to be good. We had that going on with a, uh, with a tree. We had this, this cherry tree that was growing right by the pool. And, you know, it was a nice tree. Nobody else had a cherry tree like this. It was kind of a nice tree, but um, and it was little. It wasn't a problem. But then it started to get bigger. It was dropping little cherries into the pool. Every day I got spots on the bottom of the pool from the little cherries. And every day I got to go out there and clean these little cherries up out of the pool. I'm getting aggravated. That tree got bigger. I'm thinking, that tree can start messing with our plumbing and the pool itself. The tree's got to go. Now, when that tree was smaller, and I mean, when we moved in, it was smaller. It probably had a, a trunk like that. Taking a chainsaw, then I'd suck and cut it right off and we were done. But the tree, the tree got bigger. We had to hire somebody to come in and do it. it cost us some money. He didn't like that. We had to take it out. So the tree got cut down taken out. But you see, when you see those little trees, oh no, that's going to grow. I don't want it to grow here. And you go over and you persecute it because the roots haven't gone down too far. You just pull it right out. But if you ignore that tree for a long time, those roots are going to go down and it's going to be a problem. This is what the enemy says. First off, we've got to try and sweep up those seeds. Get them out. If we can't sweep them up, if we've missed them in some people's lives, they're going to start taking root. So we got to send persecution. We got to send tribulation into their lives to try and get that word out of them. And that's what he will do. And Jesus is telling you about it ahead of time. Persecution and tribulation will be targeting you because of the word that is in you. But you got to endure. That's what he says. They had no endurance, but you need to endure. 
Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Don't lose focus. See, in this group, they don't focus. They're, they were focused on the word. They endured the tribulation, the persecution. They're getting stronger. And so they're, they're in a direction. But then all of a sudden, we got a distraction. All right, well, we got to do something here. Uh, they're growing in that word. So let's get some cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches. Here's, here's one of the ways that deceitfulness of riches will come in. You see, you endured the tribulation, the persecution. You listened, you heard, you understood. You've gotten past the first two groups of soil. You're in the third one now. And the devil will sow, sow this. He's, I've already seen him do this. He'll do it to other people. This is what he sows in their life. Their life becomes blessed. They get promoted on their job. Their finances are increasing. Their investments are increasing. And the devil comes and says, this is a blessing from God. God is blessing you because of your obedience. Take advantage of the blessing of God and pursue those riches. God has these riches right out here for you. Go get them. God's hand is with you. And you will prosper in all that you do. And so their focus comes from what the Word said to do to their investments to other things. And this is what he says. I didn't write it. He receives seen among the thorns as he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. They pursue these other things. The cares of this world. Cares of this world could be some, can even be a relative. And the enemy has just worked them to be in a place in your life to pull you down. But I need you. Whatever it might be. See, cares of this world. Deceitfulness of riches. If you got past the first part and you decided, I'm going to understand the word. You got past the second part where the tribulations and persecutions came at you because of the word, but you didn't move. That meant that seed got stronger. So we've got to find another thing. We've got to try and distract you. Take you in another direction. Take all that spiritual energy, all that knowledge you have of the Word of God. And we're going to have you pursue the blessings of God in the wrong way. If you missed it in the first one, he's going to try and get you in the second. If he missed you in the second, he's going to try and get you to the third. But if he misses you in the third, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. How much you produce is not the issue. The issue is you stayed with it, you were aware of the attacks of the enemy, and you did not give in to them. I put this in your outline for you. A fruitful servant is a faithful servant. Because you don't come to a place of being fruitful by God's standards without being faithful. 
Now, we can look at some people and we say, they are fruitful. But we could be wrong. Remember when Samuel came to the Jesse's sons, he saw the first one, what did he say? Fruitful. <laughs> and what did God say? No. No. Just because you, you see some good things doesn't mean I've chosen them. Go on to the next one. Oh, all right, I see. Fruitful. God says, no. He gets to the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one. Nothing. Do you have any more? Did you forget one? Well, there's one more. You know, he's out there. He's always making up stories about lions and bears. and We don't pay a whole lot of attention to him. Well, we're not sitting down eating until you go get him. All right, go get him. So we bring him on over, scrawny little guy. And um, God says, that's the one. That's the one. Why? Because God knows the importance of faithfulness. And he knew with David he was faithful. The other ones were not. They looked good. But they weren't faithful as far as God needed. That's the one. You see, that one has sought after me to understand me. And David had an understanding of God. That one has endured persecution and tribulation because of the word of God that is in him. And he has endured. He has endured. That's the one that I'm going to pick. And then as he was picked, people came along to try and pull him in to riches. And he wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. A fruitful servant is a faithful servant. Hearing and understanding are the main focuses here, but we know that the other soils, endurance and focus are also needed. The things of this world may need our attention, but they are not to become our main focus. You have a job, you've got to focus some things on that job. But your job is not your main focus. You have some bills to pay. You've got to focus on paying those bills. But they should not be your main focus. You're going to have cares and concerns that are going to come your way. They need to be taken care of. But they are not your main focus. They will try to be. Understand that's the tactic of the enemy. Other people will come along and they'll try and make them to be your main focus. Other people have problems. They're going to try and make their problems become your main focus. I'm going to pull a nice line from the, from the Word of God. What have I to do with you? I'll give you that. It was, it was quoted by a lot of people, but I'll give you one in particular. Jesus. What happened when Mary came and told him about the, the wine? What have I to do with you, woman? <laughs> it's not my time yet. Now, he went on and did something. But we've got to have a little bit more of that attitude. What have I to do with you? <laughs> and then if God gives you direction to go out there and help them, you go out there and you help them. But other people will try and make their concerns your concern. Your desire to hear the word and pursue understanding will come under assault. 
You see, as you become successful in ministry and are faithful, more things will come your way. And pretty soon you can be so involved in doing ministry that other people thought you would be great for. But you've lost sight of what God said to do. I've got to be faithful with what God told me to do. Expect tribulation and persecution because of the word. Expect it. It's going to try and wear down your endurance. Just don't let it. Just because that's the goal doesn't mean it has to accomplish it. You can withstand it. See, the enemy wants you unsaved. But if he can't accomplish that, he wants you unrewarded. Unrewarded. He doesn't want you to receive a reward. Now, I originally wrote that a little bit differently. But according to the dictionary, I used a word that's not really a word. So I took it out and reworded it. I went up on dictionary.com and I looked it up and they didn't think it was a word either. <laughs> I wanted to say that you become unrewardable. But apparently that's not a, re- that's not a word. <laughs> so I'll take of the experts. But uh, get the, you get the idea. He wants to move you into a place where God cannot reward you. You see, if he can't steal your soul, can't take it from God, then he wants to make sure that whatever God gets isn't very valuable. Don't let him do it. The enemy wants you that way. That should be all the reason you need to not do it. All the reason you need. How many have ever watched one of those movies and the villain or villainess? I think they're more successful when they're villainesses. But they come up and you, you can tell, you know, they, they want this person, this, the star, the main character, they want this person to do something that is going to be bad for them. You know it's going to be bad for them. But you know that just because this person wants them to do it, they shouldn't do it. And so you're cheering the whole time you're watching the movie. Don't do it! <laughs> Don't listen to her! She doesn't have your good intentions in mind. Don't listen. Why are you listening to her? Don't do it. And then you get real upset. I told you not to do it. And you see the whole thing unfold. I knew it was going to happen. No, I knew it. I knew it. Well, God's telling you ahead of time. This is how the story goes. If the enemy wants you to do it, it can't be good. It's not going to end well. He wants you unsaved. He wants you dead. He can't do that unless you help him. But if he can't get you there, he wants to get you unrewarded. But here's what God wants. God wants us waist-girded and lamps burning. What if you don't need a lamp? I don't care. I got it. What if I, how much oil do I need? I don't know. I'm going to get more than I need. Ten virgins. I might need more. I'm going to get more because I'm going to be in waiting. And in waiting, I am going to have everything that I need. 
When the master comes, I know what the master wants. What he wants is me to be faithful with what he gave me. I know what the enemy wants. He's going to try. He's got three phases to put me through to try and get me to not be faithful, to get me to a place where I am unrewardable. I use my word. (laughs) That's what he wants. But I can tell him no. You see, when Jesus gave the parable of the seeds, as I said, it's my favorite parable of all the ones he gave. First one, my favorite. I go over it constantly. There's three things that will try and pull you out. It's going to attack your understanding. First off, that you're not going to hear the word. Secondly, that you don't understand it. Say, it used to be that you heard the word all the time. Now you're fighting to find time to hear the word. And if you do, it's only when you're doing something else and you only give half attention to it. It doesn't consume you the way that it did before. And once you heard something, you're not pressing in to hear the understanding. Get past that. He's going to try your endurance. See how strong they are. We're going to send some persecution their way. We're going to send some tribulation that's coming because of the Word. He's targeting the Word. Whatever it is that you're believing. You see, when he says he's targeting it because of the Word, it's not just, well, you got the Word in you, so I'm just going to come against you. He's going to send tribulation and persecution for the Word he wants to get out of you. If you're believing, if you're, you're hearing some things on faith, he's going to send some things that challenge your faith so that you begin to think, I don't think this faith stuff works. If you're hearing word on worship and the power of worship, he's going to send some things to challenge you in that area. He, it's, it's specifically targeted. The tribulations and persecutions are specifically targeted to the, worship, to the word that you are learning to try and get you to think it's not working. That's what he wants to get you to do. It's not working. It's not changing my life the way that I thought. This person said that this and this would happen. It's not going that way. And the enemy is right there. See, I told you. It can't be right. It's not working for you. Just quit it. Just stop. But we got to say, uh-uh. I'm not going to do it. And if I keep enduring, he's going to try and send the blessings of God, so-called blessings of God, my way. He's going to try and challenge my focus. Hey, instead of focusing so much on the Word of God, on your calling, on what God wants you to do down here, over here, over here. Pursue this. Go after this. Go back to the dog. It's like taking the dog out for a walk and all of a sudden the dog sees something. A squirrel. A cat. Another dog. Whatever it might be. And all of a sudden the dog's attention that was so focused in the walk and going straight ahead. We're over here. And it begins to pull and to go over this way. 
That's what the enemy wants to try and get you to do. <laughs> Don't let him do it. If he fails in these areas, understand this. This is, this, this is from Jesus. If he fails in keeping you from understanding, if he fails in the tribulation and persecution against the word that you're learning, if he fails with altering your focus to the riches of this world, deceitfulness of riches, cares of this world, if he fails, if he fails in those three things, what is the end result in your life? To be fruitful and rewarded. Isn't that what Jesus says? Here's the first, here's the second, here's the third. But the good soil, that's all that's left. Folks, you are either one of those types of soils. Which one are you going to be? See, it's up to me which soil I'm going to be. Will I be faithful with what I have been given? Don't become so focused on what are my results here in this world because what God is looking for is people who will be faithful with what he has given them because if they have been faithful with what he has been, they have been given, then when we come to the next one, the more important kingdom, you will be made a ruler. At best, folks, you're down here in this world doing what you're doing for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. At best. Maybe some people make it out to 100. I don't want to be one of those people. <laughs> but some people might. How long is the first kingdom that Jesus establishes? 1,000 years. What is your 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of ministry down here on this wor world compared to 1,000? So which one's more important? But you see, the enemy wants you to get you to focus on it's all about this world. It's not. It's about getting ready for what is to come. Be faithful. Be faithful. Just stand up with me. God wants us waist girded, lamps burning. Stay that way all the time. If he's telling people to be this way for the second advent, this is not describe what the heart of God is. Therefore, I know what the heart of God is. And if God is looking forward to people in the end times doing this, what do you think he'll say if I do it? What if I'm watching in a prepared way for whatever God would send, that whatever comes, I am ready to minister. I am ready to step in and to help out. There's the heart of God. He's looking for people who will minister to that heart. This morning is our communion Sunday. 
Our ushers are coming with the communion elements. When we look at the ministry of Jesus, we may look at it and say, wow, it's kind of short. Didn't really do a whole lot, right? Three and a half years of ministry. Three and a half years of ministry. 30 years of working. Three and a half years of ministry. But his focus the entire time was the kingdom to come. And he all brought it up to this very moment when he brought his disciples up to the room and he says, we're going to do something here today. Do something special. I'm going to institute something with you that I want you to do until I come back. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We've told you many times here that communion is broken up into two parts. And Jesus further broke it up by putting an entire meal in between. Because in the Word of God, he started with the bread, but he finished with the wine. It said before supper, he took the bread and he broke it. And then the word is very specific, and it says after supper, he took the cup. Because he made these things out to be two completely separate events. There is the bread, which represents his body. There is the blood, which represents, or the the wine, which represents his blood. One represented healing, freedom from the curse of the law. The other represented the forgiveness of sins. The body has nothing to do with you being forgiven. Because how many of y'all know? Nothing but the blood. (laughs) If we don't need anything but the blood, why in the world is the bread in there? Because Jesus knew we would forget that most people in Christian circles remember either the forgiving power of Jesus or the healing power of Jesus. It is very hard for people to remember both. But Jesus is your healer. And he is your advocate. He is the one who brought forgiveness for you your sins are wiped away. But he also gave his body which was beaten, bruised for us. Isaiah prophesied. He was bruised in his body. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes I am healed. Not by his blood. By his stripes. Don't forget. He was faithful. And he died. With his sights set on what is to come.
Don't lose sight of what is to come. Don't lose sight of it for all the things that the enemy wants to throw at you. Don't lose sight of what is to come. Be God's faithful servant. Let's eat together. Let's remember the body of Jesus Christ. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents the new covenant. No longer are we sacrificing bulls and goats and lambs. The lamb was sacrificed for us. And his blood was taken after he died on the cross. And he was risen from the dead. He said to Mary, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. And if you've been here for the Hebrew series, we spent some time on this. He ascended to the Father. He took the blood of the new covenant and he sprinkled it not on a copy of the Holy of Holies, but he sprinkled it on the actual Holy of Holies in heaven. Hebrews talks about how Moses was given explicit instructions. Make sure you make the temple according to the pattern I showed you. He saw it in heaven. And Jesus didn't waste any time taking his blood and putting it on the temple's altar. He went up to the altar and he sprinkled his blood in the Holy of Holies, in the presence of God. No longer does it have to be done anymore. Down here, it was done once a year. Up there, it was done once for a lifetime. When we drink together, let's remember what he did. Glory to God. Father, we thank you What a sacrifice to give your son to die on the cross for us that we would have life abundant. The Zoe life. The abundant life. I thank you. Give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Victor. Hallelujah. Always very happy to have us in church, and um, we want to thank you for coming today. And for all those that are joining us on our social media, on our Facebook uh, platform, we are happy that um, you participated in today's service. And as usual, the word of God will always come so powerfully. Uh, but Akidmo will always say, when you hear the devil tells you it is not working, that is actually, you know, meaning that it's working. Because if it is not, he should have just let you be so that you don't get to know that anything is happening. But whenever you hear that in your spirit, that means it's working. So just keep striving, keep fighting, fight the good fight of it. And our God, who is the author of our confession, will bring it to pass in our lives. Amen. Amen. Um, so excited for today, and uh, Brother Ray is also happy today to be in church. He's also saying on my father's behalf, I want to thank the church for
their prayers and their well wishes. I thank God for his healing power. He's improving and will return to full functionality in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, scripture says, we believe, uh, therefore have we spoken. It says, having the same spirit of faith, um, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and we have spoken. That's exactly what he has done, that the Father will get back um, to strength. Amen. Um, so exciting today is our, our egg hunt. We've been waiting for this day. We've been trusting God for this day. We've been praying for this day. And here it comes. So after church service, we'll be out there to reach out to our community. Amen. I just want to take this song. If you know this song, you can join me. It's more like asking God, use us for today. Um, take our lives and use it as an instrument of your peace to this community. Hallelujah. Lord, make us instruments of your being. Where there is hatred, let your love increase. Lord, make us instruments of your appeal. Walls of pride and prejudice shall see when we are your instruments of peace. We'll take the first alone. Where there is hatred, we will sow your love. Where there is injury, we will never judge where there is striving we will speak his peace to the people crying for relief and we will be your instruments of peace let's take the second stanza where there is blindness, we will pray for sign. Where there is darkness, we will shine your light. Where there is sadness, we will bear the green to the millions crying for Really, we will be the instruments of peace. We will be the instruments of peace. Lord, make us your instruments. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is darkness, let your light release. Lord, make us instruments of your pain. Walls of lies and prejudice shall see. When we are your instruments of peace. You know, uh, we will come ac across a lot of people. Um, the human nature, we know how to hide a lot of feelings, a lot of our pains. 
you know, we come across people that uh, physically they might be laughing and smiling, uh, but we know the pains that is in the world. We know the cries that is in the world. We know many will come with pains in the heart. But let's make ourselves available for God to minister through us. And the scripture say, why Jesus ministered to them, virtue left him and also ministered to them. So we might be laughing and talking and nojisting and every other thing with them. But beyond that, we have the spirit of God in us that will leave us to minister to those needs. Um, by faith, we expect that those that are sick should receive healing. That is what he has sent us to do. Uh, those that need love should find love in this meeting. You know, those that need peace in their spirit, they need to sleep. They will find that spirit ministering to them. Hallelujah. So let's get ourselves ready. Um, it's a good day that the Lord has given. And we are going to do just what he wants us to do. Hallelujah. So for those that uh, might not be with us after this, uh, just share love with one another as you go and have a very nice week. Uh, we have pizza in the room uh, just to minister to the body before we go out to do the service of our Father. May God bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.